PGA Nation, we are back. We are coming off a great week at the Memorial, heading to Canada for another, what should be a fun tournament, but a very challenging one for pricing. If you've already started building lineups and looking at pricing, we're all kind of stumped. A lot of guys have already withdrawn, so be aware that you know guys are pulling out of the tournament. Um, this course hasn't had a tournament played at it in over 10 years, so the data is limited. It's going to be a unique week. Um, it should be fun for gamblers, uh, but unique for sure, uh, a little bit different. I'm excited to kind of get in and break it down with you. I uh, see it couldn't make it tonight, so as you noticed, we have the great deep dive Dave, the golf legend, joining us tonight. Dave, how you doing tonight? I'm good, man. How you doing? I'm good. I know. I know. For you, it's lunch hour. So for us, we're we're actually all in very different time zones. I'm in the East Coast. Spencer in the West Coast. You're in what time zone are you in? Dave. Spence. No, Dave. I'm asking you. Oh, me. New Zealand time. So I mean, it's midday here, 12 p.m. Midday. So. We're all over the world. We're all over the time zones, uh, but we're going to get you the uh, the best draft that we can for this week, give you all the information we have. We're going to make some money. Uh, as a quick recap last week, I had a really good week. We felt good about the pricing. It's the polar opposite of this week. It was like there was value to be had. You could really build the rosters the way you wanted to. This week, it, yeah, the top is really strong, and then after that, it's a little bit of a crapshoot. Spence, what do you think about the field this week? I, we were talking about this a little bit off the air. This is one of the most difficult pricings I've probably ever seen before. And that doesn't mean that it's bad, but like one of the things that I was recommending to people is because, so take every player over $9,000. If you look at my model and then you look at the pricing, that's the top 15 players in my model from an upside perspective. Just run it up. I mean, it might be a different order from 9,000 up until Scotty Shuffler at the top, but it's going to be those players in some order. So uh, in my opinion, I think that you can create leverage by maybe, you know, pivoting away from certain players. It doesn't mean you need to do it every single time that it presents itself, but there's not a huge difference. And then the problem is the bottom of the board just gets pathetic. I mean, quite frankly, like you have choices that you can pick from, like there, there are players that make sense, but uh, it's a very hard tournament to try to build like a proper lineup, in my opinion. I totally agree. I've been doing really well recently with balanced builds, but this week, just by, by nature of the pricing, it feels like Stars and Scrubs is the way because it just doesn't feel like there's a big difference from you know the low 8K range below. So it's like if those guys are, are – there's a small margin between them, and as well play the top guys as much as you can. Um but it's tough. It's just it's just a tough week to to choose from that lower tier. How about you, Dave? What are you looking at for for the for the field this week? Yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree. I, th I think it's very very top heavy, and then you get into the dregs, and and I think it's a week where players have to embrace some of the risk that comes with that. That it is high risk, high reward, and if you can differentiate yourself from other lineups. Um, find someone in that lower tier who can get a top 30. You know, you've got some really big opportunities there. So um, I smell money, man. I think there's opportunities out there. I love it. I love it. And we are going to find that money tonight. Um, nobody's surprised. I get to pick the draft order. Not because I won. <laughs> Sia won. Sia gets the credit. But Sia, for the second time in a row, he won and didn't make the next show. So 
Second place, which is myself, gets to pick the order. Um, for the order tonight, audience, I did you guys a favor. I put you back in the driver's seat. Audience will be picking first, Dave second, Spencer third, and I will be hitting in the cleanup spot, picking last. Before we get into the draft tonight, Spence, why don't you hook us up with the course breakdown? Yeah, so we're back on the PGA Tour for this venue for the first time since 2010. St. George's Golf and Country Club is a short par 70 on paper, but might have more to the layout than meets the eye when you dive deeper into the numbers. At first glance, the 7,046-yard measurement might make you initially think of a distance-reduced venue that could highlight short iron proximity, but I'm not sure that's the case with a ton of hidden yardage coming into play. The property will yield three par fives, four of which take place over 200 yards, and while that immediately gives us a reconfigured venue that starts to pinpoint more long iron proximity than one might have originally expected, it's the seven par fours between 446 to 486 yards that really starts to give us the brunt of this invisible yardage that will be felt by those playing the course. From a constructional standpoint, Tom Doak did rebuild these smaller than average greens in 2014. So if you're using the 2010 iteration of this tournament, which in theory, I think that's going back way too far in general, even if they weren't reconstructed. But if you are, just be aware that these are different greens this time around. Uh, but this is a tight tree line nature where you're going to have fairways that are going to be tough to hit. I think players are going to club down off the tee. Add those factors to the undulation and heavy bunkering of the greens. And you get this test that diminishes GIR percentage while also adding in the heightened need for scrambling and short game metrics to find success. Uh, I am actually filming better golf tonight with the model maniac. So you can hear all the ins and the outs of what I put into my weight statistically there. Uh, but, you know, consider this a, a course where there's going to be a mix of short iron and long iron play. And then you're going to need to find players that can save par on these undulated greens. There it is. The course breakdown. Uh, obviously, it's going to be a little different this week because there's just less data on the course than, than we normally have. But we still listen with this. We spent a lot of time looking up the course, getting some knowledge. So we should be able to get a read of which guys, you know, should have some advantage, like like Spence was saying. Um, you know, listen to that back. Find out how you can pick through some of these guys. Who, like we said, as you start getting lower, they all seem to be smearing together, maybe more of the same. So we want to find the edge there. Uh, without further ado, let's hop right into the draft. Audience, you're on the clock. So get your nominations in. Uh, you have the very first pick. We do need two. So let's get this draft moving um, Moving along. I know since the audience, I probably should have given you a little bit more of a heads up to pick. But for now, let me just get the draft board up and get us going. Um, and while they're on the board, uh, I guess I, I know we don't want to give away any picks without saying who it is. Spence, do you have a golfer or two that you would have taken that you really want with your first pick? I mean, in reality, probably not. Like, I, I'm kind of going to let the board fall whichever way it falls to me this week. I, I don't – to me, it's going to come down to just trying to put together a lineup that gives me as much equity to try to get six of six through the cut and uh, maybe in the process of it, try to create a build that differentiates myself a little bit from the masses. For sure. How about you, Dave? Um, yeah, no, I've got some guys I need to target, and um, I think I'll, I'll keep my strategy up my sleeve and uh, explain my thinking at the end. So, uh, and I see that C is in the chat, so we've got to be wary. <laughs> so it looks like the pick is in. Um, uh, the audience takes Decky. <laughs> <laughs> 
While, while we're waiting for the, the in fairness, consensus, um, I, I would just add that there's been a hell of a lot of rain the last few days as well in Toronto. They've had a flood warning um, today. So, um, and overnight on Wednesday evening, they're expecting more rain as well. So, Thursday morning looks quite soft. Um, I, I prefer that Thursday a.m., Friday p.m. time. Friday looks a bit windy as well all day. So the calmest conditions over those first two days are the Thursday a.m. guys. So certainly from first round leader perspective and from um, tournament long picks, I'm going Thursday a.m., Friday p.m. based on the weather. That's huge. You can definitely get an edge from that. Definitely check back, you know, again tomorrow and make sure the weather's still tracking that way. But, yeah, if that's the case, you definitely want that information as there can definitely be an edge there. Uh, it looks like the pick is in, and it is, correct me if I'm wrong, am I seeing Sam Burns? Yes, yeah, Sam Burns. That is the pick for the audience. Um, coming off a win, I mean, Burns is playing well. Uh, you know, he's in the lower tier of the elite guys, which at least gives you some salary relief. So I, I like the pick there. Yeah, I, I think it's a great pick. Yeah, he, he's great value. And, and I think as well, you do get this kind of this reverse psychology as well from people where somebody wins and they expect them not to win the week after. And there's no reason really not to go with someone who's just won a bunch of tournaments. So, I mean, he's in fantastic form. And I think you're getting great value at 10,000. Yeah, it's hard to like, I'm going to sound like a broken record. Pretty much any pick that's made. I think as long as you can figure out a way to make a lineup that doesn't become overly chalky with it, I think you can get away with a lot this week. I don't know if there's necessarily like a horrendous play of any kind. For sure. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree. All right, David, you were on the clock. Yeah, so with my um, my first pick, I'm going to take CT Pan at 8,100. And the reasoning for that is um, I'm quite happy to differentiate myself at the top. As Spence said, there, there's kind of, um, you know, a few guys where you can make a case for a lot of them, but once you get into that sort of mid-range, it's actually really difficult to find value, and CT Pan rates that really well for me. He's coming off 10 um, straight events where he's gained um, shots on approach. Birdie will be the percentage for 200 yards plus. He's 50th in this field, uh, 50th, sorry, overall on tour. And then Sansa percentage, he rates out 26, and we've got these greens which are minuscule but also heavily, heavily bunkered. So there's multiple aspects to his game um, that I really like, and I think he's great value at 8,100 there. Yeah, I, I think David had a very good point there that he mentioned. Um, the value does get weird. I don't want to say it gets bad, but it gets weird at a certain point in this tournament. So uh, I think you can – like, and that's kind of what I was saying even in the initial breakthrough of this or breakdown of this. As long as you can differentiate yourself somewhere, it can be at the top, it can be at the middle, it can be at the bottom, whatever you feel the most comfortable doing. And one of the ways to do it is I think CT Pan makes a lot of sense. He's 14th in my model for safety. There's a lot of guys at the top that you can get different with. So uh, I think it makes a lot of sense. I agree. He's one of my favorite plays in the lower tier value range. So I like the pick there as well. All right. I will make my first selection. Um, this is a player right now that I, I'm curious to hear what you think, Joel, because I don't know if this is a golfer that you tend to like when he enters this price range with it. Uh, but Tony Finau, 9,400. So my model really likes him from a weighted tee to green sense. He improves over his baseline there if you just take him on an average track. And pretty much when I run like the gambit through the stats here, he's eighth at strokes gain total under 7,200 yards. 
He's second when looking at a combination of bent grass total plus putting. Uh, the par five scoring is second in the field when I weighted it that way. The long iron proximity is really good. And one of the things that I have noticed with Finau is when you get these courses where long iron proximity and around the green comes into play. And in on top of it, you get these driving courses where you don't necessarily need to pull driver out of the bag, which is counterintuitive to what you normally would think of Finau. I just think he's so sloppy off the tee that these types of courses actually help him and give him his most upside. So uh, I kind of like the potential he brings at 9,400. And I think the floor is there that, uh, you know, there's a, what, about nine or 10 guys above him in price. I think this is a really good salary for him. I think Finau is the case in point of what makes this week so unique. I think you're spot on. I normally don't like Finau in the 9K range. He's someone I, I prefer in like a major where he's like in the low 8K range and he's a value player who has that upside. The thing with this week is there's just no value that anyone's going to fall in love with. And so yeah. if you can fit maybe three 9K guys in your lineup opposed to going up up top to the top tier and then get three of the 7K, that's kind of the best way of being balanced versus – you know, you're not going to go all 8K, really. I don't think you can do that. But you can do 3, 9K and then get a little cheaper in the 7K range. So if you're going that strategy, I think Fina is one of those 3, 9K guys you can go with. It's almost like there's value in the 9K range because it's so hard to get balanced. So with that logic, I I, I, I like Honey. I can get my head around him there. Well, I'm glad to hear that. I feel like you've been pretty spot on with him in general. Like the weeks that you've wanted to fade him, you've been correct. The weeks that you have played him, you've seemed to have been right. So... Uh, that makes me feel good, at least. <laughs> Thank you. Dave, what do you think about Finau this week? I, I really like Finau. The the one concern and the, the one thing that makes me want to fade him is that he's 101st um, for sand saves um, across the PGA Tour. So that's my only concern is as, as long as he misses greens that he ends up in the rough and not in the sand. Um, that would be be my only concern with him. Yeah, I think, uh, I think that's fair. Um, all right. So I'm going to go here... The guy I want to take first, I really just don't think you guys are going to take. And you might just because there's not many value plays, so you might just have to take him. But I'm going to try to be strategic and hold off on taking him. And I'm going to start this draft off by taking someone who's probably been my most drafted first player, Matt Fitzpatrick. Uh, and it's the same kind of concept as as Finau in thinking uh, there's just getting into the 9K range, is there's value in it alone. Uh, in that you can get, and he's barely in the nine K range. I get it, but uh, I'm trying. Like, listen, you, if you take if you take Scheffler, you kind of have to take five seven K guys to balance it out. So at least this way, there'll be a little bit more balance in my lineups. And I'm going to follow that up with Chris Kirk. Um, Chris Kirk, I think, is going to be a good course fit because of his around the green game has been so strong, and this seems like a place it's going to be really hard to nail the greens. And I think he should be able to clean a lot up with his short game here. Again, the 9,100, I think the value for a guy as with his upside of what he's been playing is, is good. Yeah, I, I really like that start from you. I, I was looking at some of the offshore markets um, just to get a general idea of where some of the money was coming in. And uh, Fitzpatrick and Kirk were two of the guys that I noticed at some of the sharper books that are taking money at this point, specifically Fitzpatrick, I, I like I've seen him as low as like 15, 16 to one at some places. Wow. Wow. Yeah. He, 
over, over on our markets here, he's come in from 23s to 19s and now he's at 17. So there's a lot yeah. of money flowing. Um, with both of those picks, maybe unknowingly, Joel, I, I picked and tipped both of them last week at the Memorial. Fitzpatrick broke my heart by having one of well, his actual worst putting performance ever um, since being on the PGA Tour. Um, so it is an anomal anomaly and both of his worst performances have come at Memorial. So um, I think that he perhaps sees lower ownership off the back of that, having um, been widely tipped and burning a lot of people last week. And I really like him here as well. So um, given I tipped them both last week, one of those two guys probably wins this tournament. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right, Spence, you are on the clock. All right. This isn't what I anticipated doing. I mean, CT Pan was a player I was considering. Um, with him off the board, I feel like there are only so many options to consider now up in that range. And I'm going to take one of them just to try to make builds a little bit different for everybody else. I'm going to take Aaron Rye at $7,900. Uh, there's a lot I like about him. It's like one of the things that I keep mentioning for everybody is this weighted T to green. And as everybody knows by now, that is just my version of me recalculating the course to specifically like to mimic the stats that are coming into play. So he sees an improvement there. The form looks really good entering this week. And, and I, he's one of the only players, like if I'm running through this right now, uh, let's take from pan and lower. There are four, there's five players essentially that are like a real value for me through like the next 15, 20 names. So I want to lock him in. It's going to make the build a little bit different than I was anticipating with it, but uh, I'm looking for some safety, and I think he provides that for me. And it's fair. I think that's a, a solid pick. Uh, like you said, I think we've been the theme of the week, right? I think uh, finding value is going to be the struggle this week, and he's a guy that I think certainly has the upside, you know, below the 8K range. Uh, Dave, you're back on the clock. I am, and I, I really like Aaron Rye as well. He's highly, highly talented, and we obviously know him pretty well from the DP World Tour, uh, where he won multiple times out there, and he's won multiple times on the Challenge Tour as well. Um, at his best, um, he is an excellent, excellent iron player. This is a kind of course that really suits him, and he's still really young. I mean, he's 27, I believe, so he is a really young golfer on the rise, and, and I think we're starting to see the best of him, so I really like him on the, the track here, both from um, a DraftKings perspective and an outright betting market perspective i think there's great value to be had there as well um in terms of my next pick i am going to take brendan todd um so i really like his accuracy off the tee i think he's um a fantastic fit for this course he's coming off a third at the charles schwab um where he he had an excellent excellent performance um if we look at like similar courses where you know we can uh take some comp courses here like rbc heritage um copperhead um, Hamilton Golf, Golf Club as well in terms of Canadian Open um, and uh, Old White TPC. Um, he rates out really well at all those courses as well. Um, I like his around the green game. So I think there's a lot to like for him. And, and again, I think he's someone where you might get some um, low ownership compared to others in this range. So it differentiates me a little bit here. Yeah, that's another golfer. Just to keep going to this point, that's another golfer that I've seen taking sharp money. Yeah, I think you're right. I think all of the points you made about his course fit certainly makes sense. Um, you know, again, we're, we're just looking for guys that we think can compete to round out rosters here because we know there's going to be guys at the top 
And I would bet, you know, there, there's obvious going to be, you know, the top 10, 15 guys will be highly owned. We know they'll be there. But how can you be competitive outside of that? I think he's certainly a guy that can compete here in this field. So I like that pick as well. All right, audience, you are back on the clock. Nominations are coming in. The audience is upset with you, David, for your pick. They wanted Todd, but it's too bad. It's not their turn. Um it looks like we have a few nominations, but no one's – oh, you got your first double. Emiliano Grio with the first pick for the audience. Um, you know, Grio was a guy I liked a lot more last year. I certainly understand the pick here this week because of the struggle with finding value. Uh, I'm not very high on Grio myself personally, but I certainly can understand how you could get there for sure this week. So I'm going to give two answers to this. One, my model loves him. Two, I personally do not like him. <laughs> Eight straight tournaments where he hasn't come inside. I think the top 30 at this point. I, you know, it's one of those things where I don't know if the upside is quite as good as models will make you believe, especially if you're not putting a bunch of putting into the mix with it. Or if you are, I mean, like, like he's one of the worst putters on tours. So it's like, once you add that into the mix, the upside comes down a little bit. So I don't know. It's kind of a love hate relationship for me based off of that. I, I'm with you. I, I'm at a point now where I'm on the hate side of that relationship. I can see it. it, it I can definitely understand why you would make the pick. Um, but he's just not in my my player pool right now for this week. It's a uh, good it's a good number at seventy four hundred dollars. Like that's the one thing I will say. If we had seen any form from him, I think he could be in the eight thousands very easily. And I'll, in his credit, he'll also be someone I'll probably be more likely to play in showdown this week. Yeah, on Mondays. You know, he's someone that definitely. Uh, can implode a day and kind of take him out of the tournament, but I think he can have one one really low day. So he'll be a guy that would target in the showdown side. So the uh, excuse my ignorance. Uh, who's Marty? Martin Laird. Is that Laird. Who <laughs> Martin Laird is not on a first name nickname. <laughs> if you want to pick Martin Laird, you gotta say Martin Laird. I'm not gonna. I don't know who Marty is, uh, but it looks like Martin Martin Laird is the audience's other pick. Uh, between Sia and Zach, that's uh, and back nine bets. Yeah, that's that's the pick. So um, you got you went two value picks there. Um, <laughs> yeah, I just I, I think Martin, no, he's got to go in as Martin Laird, Marty. I, no one even, no one knows who Marty is. That's not. A thing. I don't I don't know the the model right now that we have built for this seems to be reading it correctly on the sheet. How did that happen? <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, audience. Um, I like that you got a lot of value so far. Uh, I think, you know, you've got, if you guys, you got confidence into the seven K range, that's going to be big. So I think it's a good start for you guys there. David, you're on the clock. I am. Yeah. And, um, you know, I've been, I've been happy to go and grab my value in that 8K range for the first two tips. And um, I think now I've probably got to go to the the top of the board and grab one of the guys that I like. So I'm going to take um, Rory McIlroy at 10,500. Um you know, this is the kind of course where where we expect Rory to play well. Um, my only concern with, with him is is we are one week out from the US Open, you know, and I think that's always a consideration when we're looking at these top of the ball guys. Are they really focused on coming out and winning this tournament or are they focused on next week and getting ready for, for uh, another major? So that would be my only concern with him. But, I mean, obviously we know he's an elite iron player. He's great around the greens. It's a course that should really suit him. Um, you know, and if he can club down off the, the tee a little bit and, um, you know, take three woods, take irons, you know, he should hit a lot for your race as well. 
I mean, yeah, I, I like Rory. He's one of the elite guys that I will play this week. I certainly think he can win the tournament. Um, yeah, I agree with you. I think there's a lot to like with Rory here, in my pick. Yeah, it's going to be – I mean, Rory's form looks really good. I don't know what he did during the weekend last week, but uh, there's a lot. Anytime – one of the things, just to point out there, tree-line courses and Rory, those two things go hand-in-hand hand all the time. So uh, keep that in mind when you are making DFS lineups. Good point. Good point. All right, Spence, you're on the clock. All right, so I am going to give a player, and it's going to be kind of on the Aaron Rye end of the aisle here, where I think I'm getting value and a little bit more safety that might meet than might meet the eye here. Um, you know, this is a player who used to play overseas before coming over to the PGA Tour, but uh, he's pri- he's from America. He was born in Los Angeles, and we've seen the comfort zone that he's produced lately. There's four top 40 results over his last seven tournaments. He ranks 27th in my model for safety, thanks to those factors. And he also grades inside the top 25 for driving accuracy. So that will be David Lipsky at 7,300. And those are three very popular plays that I've started with. At some point, I'm going to have to try to find a way to get unique with it. But uh, I have a couple strategies in mind to do such. I like it. Um, I think that's a good play. I'm, I'm scrambling. Because I'm trying to make a draft decision on salary savings here. Well, while we do that, I, I'm very high on Lipsky overall. I think it's only a matter of time before he gets a win on the PGA Tour. Um, again, he's a player that I know very well from the DP World Tour. Um, personally, I, I'm going to take a contrarian view to, to Spence here. I, I don't love him here. There's a couple of reasons. Um, vertical better percentage, 200 yards plus. He's 189th on, um, in, on this season. He's 89th for approach over 200 yards. Sand saves, he's 148th. And scrambling, he's 171st. So, I mean, those for me are some really, really key metrics for getting around here is that you're going to need some long lines and you're going to need some scrambling and you're going to need some sand saves. Um, I, I think he's a highly, highly talented golfer. So, um, you know, if you love him, go and play him. Um, but for me, he, he's a fade this week. Yeah, just to add to that a little bit. So one of the stats that I ran is I have miscellaneous scoring which isn't quite exactly what it sounds like. That's taking some of the scrambling, the sand save percentage, um, some of the birdie or better percentage too, the bogey avoidance with it. He's 75th in my model based off of all those things. And that's the one thing that from, that I guess dropped him a little bit, like from an upside perspective, it doesn't like him as much, but because of what he's been able to provide recently and the price tag that he has on the surface, those are the two reasons why I like him. I'm going to take the current form and, that's one of the things like Joel and I were actually talking about this last week when we went off air. My model looks for regression. Like it's trying to find players that it can make a statement on like a Cameron Young, a Davis Riley, a David Lipsky, where it thinks that it hasn't seen the player do it long enough. And then you're going to find problems with it. And there is some of that that comes into play with Lipsky for sure. That's what David's talking about. But I just think the price tag is really good at 7,300 bucks. I do, I do like the price. I, I do think he is he is cheap. So, you know, and, and as I said at the beginning of the show, right, like this is a, a week where you perhaps want to take some of those risks. You know, Lipsky perhaps has low ownership and, and he can perhaps get a top 20. He, he's not for me, but, um, you know, I do think he has some upside there. You could make an argument that he's a better cash game play for all those reasons. I definitely will. Uh, I mean, maybe a top 40 wager with that. I, that's definitely something that I could get behind. All right, so I settled on my strategy. What I decided to do 
was go with the guy up top I like more, which means I'm going to have to really punt my last pick. Uh, and basically, I'm going to accept the fact that I'm probably not going to get six out of six. But I'm going to figure if I can get the winner and enough five of five guys, that should be good enough. So that is – I'm admitting that's my strategy by making this pick before I do it. With that being said, I'm going to take who's one of the best golfers on tour, at least top three, and that's Cameron Smith. Ah! Uh, I do think that this could turn into a, a, a week where around the green game is kind of what's going to win it, and he's the best around the green player in the field by a wide margin, especially from what we saw last week. So if we see again some of that again this week, I think he could certainly win this tournament. Uh, but there's also just a hunch, and I'm someone that has experience with this, that I just have a feeling he's probably going to withdraw, and I'm probably going to have another with deal on my hands in this one. But if he plays, I'll be I'll be happy with the pick here. So. My first pick will be there, and the guy who I was considering taking first overall, who, as I was hoping, is still left. Um, one of my favorite value plays on the board for this week is J.J. Spawn. Uh, I really like J.J. I think we're getting a guy under 8K in the 7K range who has been really balanced and really does a little bit of everything well. Uh, I just think he's turned a corner since he won a little over a month ago. I think he's just playing a little bit better golf, and to get him here in the 7K range, I think he's a great value. I have nothing to say right now. <laughs> well, you, in fairness, man, you definitely should have taken him before Lipsky if, if you were worried, because that was obviously good. I'm, I'm, to be quite honest with you, I'm shocked you took him. <laughs> I mean, it's the correct pick to make, but I'm shocked that you did it. Maybe you were looking at, I already had two 9K guys. I was like, I couldn't afford it. And that's why I admitted, I'm going to punt my last pick just because I had no choice. I was looking at the price of like the remaining salary that you had. And then I was also just looking at ownership percentage in general, and he looks to be the the leverage that you can create in this spot. And and it's you know it's one of those things where you mentioned Matthew Fitzpatrick, and maybe I should have realized that um, where the Memorial's always been a bad tournament or was a bad tournament for him last week. The the Memorial's always been a bad tournament for Cameron Smith. So I, I kind of see what you're doing with your lineup that you're forgiving that tournament and just moving on with it. Exactly. And that's, and I think there's, there's a lot of uniqueness in this field that just kind of says the Memorial is a tough course to play. Yeah. Too. So it's like, it's so tough. That's not something I want to carry over to, to whatever happens the next week. Now the audience is trying to make another claim, whatever BS they typically do about how they had Cam Smith. I'm looking back. I don't see not one nomination for him. This is absurd. Where was he drafted? Is that now you guys want yeah, to just I take Cam Smith out of nowhere without even nominating? No, I saw I saw back nine bets and and Ivan advocated for him, but I do think that we had oh. uh, a couple of names for Burns. So the the audience, oh. the fans have got to be careful. You're chucking names out there left, right, and center. You know the first two that come up. That's who's drafted. That's the rules. Uh, well, now I do see where 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 you guys are making this alleged claim. Yeah, you're right, actually. <laughs> Um, well, no, Burns, Burns, no, Burns was in before Smith, so you don't, that's yep. not how this works. So you don't just get him because he would have been your next pick. You gotta go, you had two or a pick, nominate <laughs> him again. No, 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 get out of here, you cheaters. No way you're guilting me into this one. We're moving on, Spence, you're on the clock. I mean, don't we think that you guys can't decide I should just get him? <laughs> Rejected. <laughs> He'll probably withdraw anyway. It's obviously no. what's going to happen. The writing's on the wall. All right. So let me backtrack to the very beginning of the show now. 
You asked me, is there a player that I would take number one? And, and I would not take this player number one because he. I'm looking at 11% owned on Cameron Smith. But that would probably be the player he's number one in my model. If you forced me to say, like, build a lineup around this guy, it would have been Cameron Smith. So now that we have that settled, um, oh, I don't like this pick at all. Um, I'm not even going to give a reasoning behind it because I don't like it. Give me Shane Lowry, 10,100. This has become the chalkiest build. Uh, that I've ever made on this show before. This week, it's like, you know, in thinking about chalk, yes, the top tier is going to be a little chalky. Maybe there's a couple guys. I don't think Lips Ryan maybe a little bit. Lipsky not going to be too highly owned. Once you get to the mid-tier, I just they can't. I don't think there's going to be that much ownership anywhere. So I feel like it, it's almost impossible to get too high of an ownership this week just because it's going to be pretty spread thin in the mid-tiers, and you have to take some of them to make a balanced lineup. So... I don't think it's really possible to be too chalky this week. I don't know. But like, my model could be wrong. I, I will preface it with that. But I'm seeing Lipsky at 13.7%, which is wow. very high compared wow. to everybody next to him. That is high, yeah. I didn't think that anyone in that range was over 10. Yeah, that's that's pretty high. Yeah. Um, all right. But, yeah, Lowry I certainly like. With with his ball striking, he could, he could certainly make a run at this tournament. Yeah, and Lowry is another one that I tipped up last week. So, um, again, let me down. Chances are he wins this week. Um, but in terms of some of the stats, maybe just to ease your concerns, Spence, um, appro- approaches from 200 yards plus proximity pin. Shane Lowry is second on tour. Sand safe percentage, he's eighth on tour. Scrambling, he's number one on tour. So, I mean, if we're looking for a recipe to success, he's got multiple avenues to winning this. So um, I think he's a, he's a great tip, and he's got a Thursday AM um, tea time as well. So don't mind that pick whatsoever. It, it, like, the thing is with it, I don't mind the Lowry pick either in the sense that he's fourth on my model. But when I'm looking at Finau and Aaron Rye and, and David Lipsky and Shane Lowry, this just looks like a cash game lineup to me versus a GPP lineup. And maybe I need some of that after these last few weeks, but... Uh, that's just not normally how I make these builds. Yeah, fair enough. Um, so my my next pick, and I was just hoping that I could hold on and, and get this guy later because I'm super, super high on him, is Ryan Armour. A few reason, what, reasons why. Um, approach over 200 yards. He's 11th on tour. Sand safe percentage, he's six on tour. Scrambling, he's 20th on tour. And you're getting him for 7,300 in, uh, in a field that once you get past that kind of eight and a half K is fairly weak. I think he's a, a great, great tip. And I think he's going to outperform a lot of expectations. I really like that pick. I think he's one of those guys down here in the low 7K range that does have that top 20 upside. Um, I think his, his metrics speak well for this course. Uh, and he's a guy that competes. And I think these are the types of tournaments he competes where on the surface, this doesn't look like um, this doesn't look like, you know, all that load of a field, but it's really just top heavy. And after the top, you know, he can fit anywhere in in that next slot. You know, if he was priced at 7,900, that wouldn't have been an eye. So as a value play, I think it's a really strong pick. Yeah. And from a, from a betting perspective as well, I, I'll let you guys know, he was my first click this week. Um, CT Pam was the second. I got Ryan Armour at 200 to 1. He's been backed into 150 to 1 now. So there's a lot of money coming there. But 201 was just insane value. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah I, I want to double down with that. He's one of the highest upside climbers in my model, which just means that you're a good outright bet when that happens. So I think 200 to one was a steal. I think 150 to one. I still think it's going to be hard for anybody to win. That's the only thing I will say. But uh, I mean, he's a top 30 player in my model. And uh, that always means something to me when I am trying to find long shots. I love it. All right. Audience, you are on the clock. The nominations should be coming in. Has anyone been picked yet? No. We've got a few nominations. Oh, there's first pick. Corey Connors. Kind of feels like, you know, he's got like the home field advantage, right? It's like people feel like they should take him because he's kind of playing well and he's from Canada. So it kind of feels like it's the pick. Um, what do you guys think about Connors this week? Well, does he have the home field advantage? That's the thing. Is, is someone like Connors, the, the worry for me, I, like I, I can make a case for him, right? Like he's an elite iron player. He's great, great around the greens. My concern is that for these Canadians, this is such a high-pressure environment because they desperately want to win it. And at the Canadian Open, he's missed, missed the cut a bunch of times, and his best result was an 80th. Interesting. Very interesting. Um, and that, there's definitely something to that, right? And, and maybe there's different types of guys, right? There's guys like, in my opinion, Tiger, who you put the pressure on him and he rises to the occasion. But most people aren't like that. And most people is when there's extra pressure. Right. That tends to maybe not give them their, their best performances. Um, the second pick is in, and it's Tyler Duncan, Timmy's little brother. I like that pick. I do, I do. I think it's again that we're finding value here. Uh, I think you know his short game. A lot of his game should speak well to this course. So I think you guys found a gem there in the at the what is he seventy five hundred. Yeah. Uh, I think that's that's a solid pick though. Yeah, I really like that pick. He's 22nd in my model overall, 21st from an upside perspective. Uh, 21st when I'm looking for total driving to uh, recalculate towards this course. He's third in my weighted par three. And then when I look at the weighted tee to green, he jumps from 22nd on a normal course to 11th overall here. That's a big jump. Yeah, so a lot to like about Duncan this week. Audience, that's a, a solid pick. All right, David, you're on the clock. I am, and and I've just seen uh, this golfer's name mentioned in the comments once, and was hoping that nobody picked him because he was my next pick, which is Rasmus Hogard. Um, he's he's a young golfer, but he's highly, highly talented. And and over in the states, I don't know how well known he is, but he is absolutely elite in the DP World Tour. And the guy's 21. So he's an amazing iron player from a metrics standpoint because he is so young he's not necessarily going to pop in your models and i think i saw spence you had his ownership at like 0.5 percent, which is just ridiculous like give me that every single day so happy to take him there at 8300. yeah that's one of the ways to very quickly differentiate yourself like you can go so much chalkier if you add somebody like him to the mix and I, I think you bring up a good point with him being so young. We don't know exactly what he is at this stage of his career. And there are elite metrics that do come into play with him. So uh, I, I think that this is kind of your prototypical GPP swing for the fence. And if it hits, you're in prime position to get a really big cash from it. I mean, on the, on the DP world tour, he's won three times. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's won three times. He's 21 years old. Like he is an elite 
elite player. And he, his last two performances here on the PGA Tour, he finished 8th and 16th. And one of those is at the Valero Texas Open, so it's not a weak field by any means, but it was the week before a major. So, I mean, he's coming over, um, and, and I really expect him to play well. Um, I think he should be owned all over the place. One of the best things, if you want to take him, is that they made him $8,300 too, because if they made him like 7100 that ownership would have, I think, ballooned a little bit. So, I. Uh, you know, there's not a huge difference between these $8,000 golfers and some of these low $7,000 golfers to begin with. So uh, based off him winning three times on the DP World Tour and some of the other metrics, if he's going to be sub 1%, uh, I, I think it's an interesting play. For sure. All right. Um, let me figure out what I want to do with this next pick, I guess. Um so this is going to be a little bit more volatile from what I've done recently, even though my model does like him from a safety perspective. He's 23rd overall. So uh, the way to tee to green is negative. This might be kind of getting towards the gear of like the David Lipsky thing where this makes more sense for a cash game. Although uh, at 6%, you are, I am deviating a little bit, but uh, this is a golfer that he's 20th on bent grass greens uh, from a strokes gain total perspective. I kind of always like him at these courses where, uh, long iron play comes into the mix a little bit with it. Not that he's necessarily like over the top, but the iron play in general is bad. But uh, I am going to also go on a one name basis. I'm going to take Patty, who is Patrick Rogers at $7,700. And <laughs> <laughs> hey, oh. we're Noting Spence, the other two Paddies, Pat Perez and uh, Patrick Reed, have both WD'd uh, this morning your time. So um, just worth keeping an eye as we get into um, closer to the team. We're expecting quite a lot of WDs with the US Open next week. So, so do keep note of that, fans. This is like no different than going on a one-name basis with like Shakira. He's the only Patrick in the field. We all knew who Patty was when I said it. <laughs> I literally have not one clue. I was like, who the heck is Patty? <laughs> Oh, good times. So you went you went with Aaron Rodgers' little brother uh, this round. Good good pick. I will go with um, – so I, I really am scraping the barrel here for these – to fill out my roster because of, of what I did. So I'm going to first take Bobby, uh, Bobby Garrigus. Obviously, one knows who that is. And, uh, and then my second pick, uh, I don't even know if I can pronounce this guy's name, uh, but it's – uh, Lingmurf, is that did I say that correctly? Yeah, David yep. Lingmurf. David Lingmurf. So, yeah, so you know, I'm having obviously I have a lot of confidence in these last two picks. I can barely pronounce their names. Um, but listen, my well, my, my thought process here, my draft got derailed. I thought there was value at the top. I kind of think if I can get a couple of top tens and fives, I don't expect both Garrigus and Lingmurf to make the cut. But if I get five out of six, one of them does. Um, and I, and I do, and I'm pretty top heavy and you get a couple guys up top. I think that should be enough to do pretty well. So that's my thought process. Uh, and, um, you know, I didn't have a lot of confidence in elsewhere in the seven K range. So I figured if I'm taking someone that I don't have confidence in, I might as well go for the top where I do. And then, uh, you know, hope the chips fall where, where they will to, to, to agree with my team from there. There are very few $6,000 golfers that I like this week or that my model likes this week. Lingmurth happens to be one of them for whatever that's worth. Yeah, he, he graded out really well um, with in the, the model that I run that kind of shows for, for this course. Um, so 
that was the first one. And he, and he has. I mean, he has some some at least for this range. You know, he's made four of his last five cuts. He got a 16th at the Puerto Rico. Um, he makes he hits a ton of fairways. So uh, the, the numbers look good for him here at this course. Yeah, uh, David, do you have any thoughts on Gary? Well, I mean, Robert Garrigus is obviously an elite player. He was headlining Live Golf for, for a little bit there. So, um, yeah, I think, um, look, look, I probably prefer, out of the two, I prefer Lingworth. I think I can make yeah, a case yeah. for him at that kind of price. Um, but, yeah, I don't mind. I think it differentiates yourself. And, um, yeah, maybe he's missing out on the big bucks over in London. So maybe he plays well this week. Yeah, I mean, it gets very thin very quickly, too, once you kind of put yourself in that position. Um there's a couple players that maybe I would have considered, but I mean, Garrigus is kind of up there once you're put into that exact range that you found yourself in. So I don't have a problem once the build went that way. And then for my final play, I'm going to leave a couple bucks on the table. I am going to take uh, Steven Yeager at 7,300. My model believes he's one of the best value plays on the board this week because of his combination of form where he's provided three top 38 finishes in his past four attempts, but also because of his numerical skill set that jumps him up 30 spots in my model when comparing him to his expected tee to green game at a random course versus how he statistically sets up for St. George's. Uh, Jaeger's short game places him fifth in this field over my two-year running model. And then the extended distribution of irons that will take place from both under 100 yards and over 175 yards has improved his expected proximity total by 64 spots in my model this week. Yeah, honestly, Jaeger was the guy I was going to take if I kind of not gone this way and I went a little bit more balanced. That, that was the value pick I like, so I, I like that call there. I still feel like I have a very cash gamey type lineup with this, but uh, Rodgers and Jaeger at least give me sub 7% ownership that I got a little different at the bottom. I like it. I like it. So the audience, I'm not sure I get the joke. They're asking if I'm 85 years old or if I'm Seth Rogen's dad. First of all, Seth Rogen would be my dad because I'm pretty sure he's older than me. Uh, but I don't get why am I so old. What did I do? Uh, well, you guys let us know in the sure. chat because I don't. We don't get the joke. But David, probably just you, you taking Garrigus and Lingmurth maybe would be <laughs> fair. <laughs> All right, David, go ahead. Right. You're on the clock. Well, I feel that my build has gone absolutely to plan. This is exactly how I expected this draft to go, and you guys have played right into my hands, which is great. I would have been taking Pat Perez at this spot, um, and I would have had the salary for him. Unfortunately, he's WD'd, and, and I bet him about three hours before he did that. So, um, unfortunately, I'll get a refund for, for withdrawal on that. Um, there's a few guys that I do like that are left in this range, so I'll throw in a few names out there. Danny Willett, I think, is someone who could potentially pop. Um, he's good around the green. You're just relying on him keeping the ball in play. Um, I like um, Matthias Schwab as well. I like JT Poston. Um, Nate Lashley, again, I would have taken him here, but um, he's a WD as well. Um, so I'm going to take at 7,400, John Hart. Oh, so John Hart last week was uh, 12th at the Charles Schwab. Uh, sorry, two weeks ago was 12th at the Charles Schwab. Super accurate off the tee. Um, he's popped for his approach, so I'm seeing some improvement there. He's gained strokes around the green at his last two events. Um, and if we're looking at like similar courses, so PGA National this year, he was ninth. Last year there, he was 19th. Um, and then in terms of like RBC Heritage, he's got some form. 
Um, I'm liking parallels to Copperhead as well. He is in ninth there in 2017. So um, I, I like a few things about his game and, and the pop last week for uh, two weeks ago for 12th. Um, I think he's good value there at 7,400. Yeah, I think there's there's a handful of guys from that 7,700 range down to, I don't know, the 7,200 range. You mentioned most of those players. Um, I mean, another name I would throw out there, Rory Sabatini. Um yep. I'm trying. I like Alex Smalley. My model always seems to like him. That's probably more of a GPP play than anything else. It's going to be a very volatile uh, boomer bust type play. And that's what I was trying to avoid this week. But, you know, your Marty's of the week, your Tyler Duncan's, your Patty's, all those guys make a lot of sense. Yeah, I like I like Sabatini too. Having having met the yeah, guy, yeah. I just refuse to play him because uh, he's he's not my best mate. And just to throw one more thing out there, just on the Danny Willett train. So there's uh, at Bet Online, if you're looking at the offshore market, uh, there's a Danny Willett minus 123 bet against Matt Wallace. Uh, I kind of like that one a little bit. I had that closer price to minus 140 in my model. Wallace is one of the biggest uh, fades that my model has this week. So I'm not overly in love with Willett, but I do think that that's a way that you can get exposure, Tim, if you are trying to this week. I love it. I love it. All right. To close us off, audience, with the last pick, get your nominations in. And while World Knows nominations are coming in, also send a reminder to smash the like button. Give us a follow. It's huge. It goes a long way. It really helps us. So if you follow the show, please do go ahead and, and hit the like button. Uh, like As you guys always do, we have the best, best audience in the industry. You guys carry our show every week. So we super appreciate you guys uh, week in, week out, coming in and bringing the heat. Uh, the pick is in. Uh, it's a very logical pick at this point. It's Mark Hubbard to round up the squad. Um, he fits the salary there. It's a good value for sure uh, here in this pool. So I think the audience did the best job of being balanced of anyone. I think, it, eh, eh, well, no, I think David did a pretty good job being balanced as well. Uh Actually, in reality, I'm the only one that wasn't balanced. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but again, I like all the teams. Let us know. Comment whose team do you think is going to win this week? Uh, which team do you think was the best and why? We're going to look back and pick a winner. We won't pick. There will be a proof. There will be a winner by next week. But before we get out of here on this draft, uh, we'll do our new segment, which seems to be uh, taking a lot of popularity. Again, what's the audience's idea? And which is the biggest surprise who was not drafted? Spence, how about you? Um, I guess for me, I mean, it would be, I'm not surprised that these guys didn't get drafted just because there's only so many players that we can pick in this upper range. But, uh, I mean, Scheffler didn't get picked, right? Yep. Uh, Sebastian Munoz didn't get taken. Correct. So, I mean, probably one of those two guys for me. Those are two guys that I have at about 19% in my model. Uh, I do happen to like Scotty Scheffler a lot this week. I do too. Uh, especially this week where, like, there's not a lot of confidence in the value. It's like it's like you can spend up. Um, he's the best golfer in the world. So, I'm with you on that. But it is, it's just hard. And I agree. It it's hard to play guys at that high because it just leaves you so little flexibility beyond your roster at that point. Uh, for me, the biggest surprise – with Johnny Vegas, Johnny Vegas has been uh, he's been playing really well. I think you're getting a really good price on him this week. 
Um, I probably I would have taken him had my draft not gotten kind of derailed uh, with the, the guys that I took, but I think he's a really good value there at around 8,500. How about you, David? Yeah, I, I like Vegas. My, my only question with him would be what is his ownership going to be? Because he, he did have those back-to-back wins at the Canadian Open, I think 2015, 2016. So I wonder if um, you know some of the more casual punters see that and then overplay him based on the fact that he's he's won the tournament twice, even though we're at a completely different style course. So that would be my only concern is does he receive like super high ownership as a result? Um, for me, I really like Adam Hadwin. I think at 9,300, there's a lot of value there. Um, he ticks a lot of boxes. Um, Harold Varner third as well. I mean, obviously, he broke my heart when on the 12th fairway, um, he was tied for the lead at the Charles Schwab and then finished um, at even par, um, shooting 10 over for those last eight. And I, I think that's probably the concern for him is that he does have a tendency to fade on a Sunday. Um, but in terms of like long par threes, he rates out really well. He's um, having a great year approach. Um, he's having a great year around the greens. Um, I, I looked as soon as the market opened what his number was, and he was just too short in the betting market to, to back him. Um, but I, I can certainly um, forgive the Sunday uh, for the Charles Schwab, and, and I think he'll play very well here. Yeah, oh. so if, if, just really quickly, if, if I'm giving a play that like would be the play that I was most likely to make that I did not end up doing, uh, it would be Harold Varner also with it. And, and I think David brings up a lot of good points from it. It's like the lack of perceived win equity that he has and the lack of implosions when he does get himself into contention. That's something that people remember. And I think it's a reason why he's actually a really good play this week. Um, if I didn't take Shane Lowry, I would have taken him. In reality, I think I could make an argument that that would have been a better play to begin with. My model seems to think that it's about a 50-50 choice between those two, but uh, I really like Harold Varner this week. I think you can find different markets to get involved with him. Uh, and also in GPP contests, I think he makes a lot of sense. I love it. I love it. I love it. Again, don't forget to smash that like button. Give us a follow. That is a wrap for the draft tonight, but we are not done yet. We are still going to, as always, bring you our first round leaders and our outright tickets. Um We'll start in the outright market. Let's pull the draft down. Spence, what about you? Who you got in the outright market? So I just have two wagers this week. Uh, Cameron Smith, 16 to 1, who was rudely stolen from me on this show. And Tony Finau, 30 to 1. All right. Dave, how about you? Who are you looking at here in the outright market? You're on mute, David. Apologies. Um, yeah, I was going to say, uh, Tony Finau at 30, if you're getting him at that price, is just insane value. Um, we're getting him down to as low as 19s now. Um, so he's been pretty pretty heavily backed. So if you're getting 30 to 1, that's great value. Um, so so the clicks this week for me, Brendan Todd at 67s, CT Pan at 71s, Rasmus Hogard at 101s, Aaron, Aaron Wyatt at 100 to 1, Mark Hubbard at 140 to 1, John Hart at uh, 140 to 1, and uh, I did have Ryan Armour at 200 to 1. Um, I don't think that price is available anymore. I wouldn't back him at 150 to 1, but if you can find him at 200 to 1, that's a good click. Yeah, I, I believe the Finau price, just to throw it out there, I believe that that is still 30 to 1 on DraftKings if you have uh, that book yep. at your disposal. Get into that. Yep, I can confirm. I'm looking at that right now. Um, for me, I just have a, a handful of plays. 
Uh, I like my my favorite play is Johnny Vegas at seventy to one. I, I like the where his form is. I think he's coming along. I think it's a really good number. And as David already told us, he loves winning these Canadian Open. So it could be another spot for him to, to come on and get another victory. Uh, I like to hit the gala at sixty five to one. There's something about that number seeming like it's like something seems fishy about it, right? He felt it should be closer to ninety to one. They're getting he's getting you really getting a really good number on him. He's played really well last week. Um, I think he's finding some form. Um, so I think we're getting, uh, I think you're getting a guy who's just in really good form in what I'm viewing as a bit of a shallow field. Um, I like JJ Spawn, who I took at 80 to 1. And to wrap up this tournament, who I think is actually going to win the tournament um, more at the top, my first pick, or not my first pick, but my best player, Matthew Fitzpatrick at 16 to 1. Um, can, can I ask you both a question very quickly? Uh, we never talked about him, and my model likes him a lot this week. I, whether it's from a DFS perspective, an outright perspective, however you guys want to view it, do either of you have thoughts on Justin Rose this week? I do, actually. Um, and I'll preface it by saying I'm not a Rose guy, I typically don't like to play Rose, I never go to the Rose route. The one time this year where I did play a lot of Rose was because he was criminally underpriced, it was at a major, they had him in the 6k range, and I was like, okay, in the 6k range, you gotta, I'll play Justin Rose. Uh, and I'm going back to that theory, it's I, at this price, I don't like him, I don't think he has that upside, right? I think you it's know, fair. best case for him maybe is in the 30s or 40s, which doesn't do it for GPPs. Um, yeah, I would, I would love him if he, even if he was in the mid seven Ks, because that's one of those value plays, but where he's priced in the upper eights, is just, I'd rather go up and get and pay a little bit more for one of these top tier studs than it. Yeah, I, I do like Justin Rose. And I, and I think if you, if you've seen signs in his game improving, this isn't a bad spot for him at all. I think it is the kind of course that would suit him. Um, he's played well at Wentworth over in the DP World Tour, which visually has a lot of parallels to the course here. So um, if, if you go and Google Wentworth, it's W-E-N-T-W-O-R-T-H. Um, that's over in the UK. Um, have a look at the course here. It has a lot of parallels to, to this. So I, I don't mind Justin Rose at all. Um, look, is he my top play? No. Am I backing him? No. But I, but I can make a case for him. Yeah, the only thing I was seeing with him, I, I mean, there was a couple things I was seeing with him. Like one of the things is my model likes him from a deeper run perspective. Uh, I mean, the recent form doesn't look quite as great with it, but I think kind of on the opposite of what you said, Joel, for the reason why I liked him a little bit is just because the price tag is so high it's creating some sort of leverage. And the problem is if you don't think he can come better than like 30th or 40th place, then there's not a conversation to be had at the end of the day. But I, I don't know. My model kind of liked him from an upside perspective. I think he's risky. I think he can miss the cut, but from five to 7%, uh, I just wanted to throw him out there. Yeah, I think I it's mean, a good point. 13th of the PGA championship. I mean, Southern Hills was a course. Yeah. that was way too long for him as well. Yeah, yeah. that's a good point. But, but the kind of that is, well, the, the 13th is impressive. He missed, of his last tour, five tournaments, he missed four cuts. So it's like there's a lot of volatility. He can get 13th, he can miss the cut. Um, but you're right. I guess that does show that there's some upside, right, which is what you're looking for here. It's, it's upside only. Um, but even still, at that price, I would 13th isn't good enough, right? At that price, I need him in the top 10 for this tournament, right? I think the way I'm looking at this tournament is I need to get two guys at least in the top 10, right? And then, you know, hope my value plays do well, right? But you need to get those those top-tier guys you really got to hit on. So Fair that's enough. how I'm looking at this week. Uh, but let's before we wrap up here, let's look at the first-round leaders. Um, 
David, you want to kick us off on the first round leader market? Yeah, so I've got I've got four to to give. Um, Matthew Fitzpatrick at thirty to one. Um, I'm getting Adam Hadwin at fifty to one, Chris Kirk at fifty to one, and then CT Pan at seventy to one. I love um, it. All all morning Thursday AM, I think for the first round leaders, that that's what I'm seeing in terms of the weather. So that that would be my tip is just stick to those morning tea times. I would love to know the stat of how many. Because I feel like just in general, there's probably 70% of the time the first round leader comes in the morning wave just because of the yeah. softer greens. Uh, but, but especially in this case where you've had, I mean, literal flood warnings in Toronto the last yeah. two days in terms of the amount of rain. And then there's more rain coming overnight on the Wednesday. Um, Thursday afternoon, potentially thunderstorms. So, I mean, Thursday morning's not a bad play. So that's, that's where it confuses me because... Then do you think, well, if there's some of the storms, they can get postponed, and then they're playing Friday morning, so then they either they have the edge again because they're back to the morning wave? I, I don't see enough for it to be a huge okay. delay, but then fr but Friday as well is looking windy even in the morning. Oh, so then that would be a disadvantage. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah, good point. Yeah. Um, awesome. How about you, Spence? You look here in the, in the first round leader market. Yeah, so I have four. Uh, the first one is Aaron Rye, 90 to 1 on DraftKings. <clears throat> Harold Varner, the third, 50 to 1 fan duel. Tyler Duncan, 100 to 1 DraftKings. And then I'm going to take some of that boomer bust potential with Alex Smalley, 100 to 1 on DraftKings. I love it. I love it. Um, for me, I'm going to go with your boy, David, Rasmus Hodgegaard at 80 to 1. I just think that's a really big number. You guys all really seem to like him. So I'll go ahead and, and take that number. I like Mark Hubbard at 90 to 1, um, Aaron Rye. And well, no, Riot 90 to 1, Steven Yeager at 100 to 1. And then uh, the guy who I think will actually be our first round leader. Um, again, kind of my theme of the week. I really like this week. I think he'll come out hot. Matthew Fitzpatrick at 25 to 1. Uh, that's a wrap on the betting side. Um, did I miss anything? Anything you guys wanted to add for the week? No, I don't think from my perspective, like, like, as I said, it's a very difficult board. Uh, just try to find a way to pivot in spots where you can. Uh, I think that the top, like whether it doesn't matter where it comes from, like figure out what you like more and go from there. We saw David take a route where he pivoted a little bit more in the top zone of it. Like he grabbed his value that he liked in the middle. I, I think that if there is a guy at the top, like Cameron Smith, I think that that's a really easy pencil. And there's a couple other players too, that makes sense with it, but uh, that's the only thing that I would add to it. Yeah, uh, from me, I would just reiterate to fans is, is there are going to be a lot of WDs this week. So really just right up to the start time, just be checking your lineups. Make sure that your guys are still valid because there's nothing worse than uh, checking in on the, the scores and seeing that you've got a WD in your, your lineup. Am I right, Joel? One million percent. Honestly, if you're going to be playing this week, set an alarm whenever the tournament starts for 20 yeah. minutes earlier and just check Twitter and make sure. Because don't just put dead lineups out there. That's just the worst feeling of waste of money. At least have guys that are playing in the tournament in your lineup. Give yourself a chance, by all means. Uh, if you guys check back, get CS First Round Leader. I'm sure he'll post them on Twitter. They'll definitely be in Discord. Um, and he will drop them maybe in the chat if you're lucky. But that's a wrap from us tonight. Good luck this week. It is a challenging week with pricing. But we're going to make some money anyway. And then we'll come back next week. For the big major, good luck and...